Welcome to The Good Conversation, a podcast by the House of LRNC. My name is Adam Connor, and today we have the final installment of our initial Begins Within Leadership series, this time featuring Monica Stevenson. Monica is our CFO here at the house and boasts a rich history of leadership across brands like BH and MCM and Yves Saint Laurent and Versace. How has she done it? At her core, it's about being curious. From taking in every lesson from her grandparents to solving puzzles, Monica is always digging for more. Today we explore that spirit and how it translates so well to the ability to lead and grow in tandem. With that, I'll step aside and let you enjoy a good conversation with Monica Stevenson. Hey Monica, how are you? Hi Adam, great to be with you today. I can't wait to chat more and learn about you. So let's start from the very top. How'd you find House of LRNC? Great question. Well, it's it's more about how they found me, but I'm very happy that they did. I got hit up on LinkedIn by Christine Day, and she just sent me a quick note saying, love your background. I think we know a few people in common. I'm working with a mission-based fashion brand. Would you be interested? And I thought to myself, is this a joke? But then I looked her up and I saw her profile was legit. And I thought, how on earth could someone know that this is exactly what I'm looking to do is work with a mission-based fashion company? Pretty serendipitous. And that's a reaction that I might have. If Christine Day knocked on my door, I'd say, really? (laughs) Because she is who she is. Prior to the house of LRNC, what made you look specifically for a purposeful brand like this. I see that you have plenty of experience across all sorts of brands in apparel and otherwise. And so I'd love to know a little bit about why that was part of your calculus for finding the next step. Yeah, well, I've worked at some amazing brands, but I can't say that they were mission-driven, definitely not in the way the house of LRNC is. But for me, I, I guess I would have to take a journey way, way back to my childhood, which began in New York, but took me very quickly as a child to North Carolina, where I was raised by my grandparents who believed in this model, which to this day I still follow, which is to whom much is given, much is expected. And they live that every day. And they were an example for me to know that it's not enough for you to achieve. You absolutely must give back. They had a huge sense of service. And so that has always been with me. And so to have Christine reach out about a mission-based fashion company, I thought, well, this is my how. This is how I give back. So that is your how. I'm going to stick with that question word, maybe a different question word, for the next one. Because I've been asking a couple of people this. What would you say that your ultimate why is in relation to your journey now to the house? Well, it goes back to the very same thing. So. What I failed to mention about my my grandparents were they were second or third generation African-Americans who descended from slavery. And they were very proud to trace their roots back because one, they were so close and could be traced back, but proud more so because we have a deep legacy in our family of our great, great grandfather and grandmother who were born into slavery, but really succumbed that and became one of the most prosperous families in our town. What they did immediately, you know, after becoming one of the largest landowners 
in that community was to first build a school and then second build a church to serve their community. And so that has run really deep in our family for generations upon generations and certainly has been with me throughout my entire career. But it's very unique to have the proposition to come work for an organization who at its foundation is all about doing good in the world and about serving others. That's a striking story. And what a way to be raised within those values. In talking about how things shape one's path, which I've also asked some others here, what a wonderful foundation to set. When you think about now here, the ultimate purpose that that you have at the house, how does it differ from, let's say, some of the other super illustrious businesses that you've been a part of before? I mean, anybody who looks can see, wow, part of the Gucci group, you know, YSL, Versace, my God. So I'd be curious to know how that purpose has morphed to today. Well, those are great brands for sure. And and they have their own mission at the root of their beginnings as well. And even to today, but what I think sets the house of LRC apart. And for me, what really helped me make that decision to join this beautiful company was that there is this deep, well, there's this immediate and first commitment to the Why Not You Foundation, which is all about fighting poverty and giving back to the youth of underserved communities. So for me, being able to do what I do every day to bring my financial acumen to an organization with an illustrious team, all of whom you've had the pleasure of meeting with, it's really a win-win. I know that we can one day be shoulder to shoulder with some of these other brands that we all have worked with. What will be different for us is that we're doing it differently. We're starting first with how do we do good in this world? How do we do good with our product? How do we do good in terms of giving back to Why Not You Foundation? How do we do good for our people? How do we do good for our customers and for influencers? And I think that really is quite unique in this day and age. So it really makes me excited about coming in to work each day and doing my part. We talked about that a little bit in the first few editions here, and obviously everybody is well, well aware of our mission to positively impact a billion lives. But when I think about this word in your context, the word good, doing good for people is something that has been generationally developed for you from this wonderful foundation you've just told me. Is it even possible to boil the ocean and learn what good means to you? I mean, is there a single definition for it? How do you, or perhaps who do you see when you think of that word? There are some remarkable people that I've worked with, and I'm going to count Christine among them, even though I'm just starting to work with her now over the last couple of months. But she lives and breathes this in every single conversation that we have in every single meeting. And so already she is a standout person for me to look at and emulate in terms of my own managerial style. But before working with Christine, I tended to gravitate to other forces much like her. I recall my days working at Yves Saint Laurent and I worked for an amazing president for the North American division then. Her name was Laura Lindrum and she's she's a retail vet. She's She's remarkable. What I really, really respected about Laura is that she let all of us lead. And 
by all accounts, we were a pretty young, but very passionate and entrepreneurial group of people around her. But we were inexperienced, to say the least. But that didn't stop her from really empowering us to all be business leaders and very much to become the business leaders we are today. I still look to her a lot and look at her management style and hope that I'm bringing that a bit to the organizations I'm a part of. Well, it's a perfect segue into what I was going to think next, which is those who you've had as role models and supporters and as empowerers along the way. What parts of their style do you think show up the most in yours today? Are there a few examples or perhaps a story here and there that have stuck with you that have informed the way in which you work with teams and in which you push yourself forward? Yeah, I would say just to echo back to Bora, who I mentioned, um, her style was very much to lean out, but lean in when necessary. So she really let us run a lot of the business and encouraged us to really step into areas that felt foreign and uncomfortable for us. Apart from Laura, very, very early in my career, I had the great pleasure of working with another superstar female executive by the name of Linda, Linda Lee. And what I recall from Linda to this day is she would actually just sit and teach you something when she knew you didn't know it. And she was quite busy (laughs) as an executive, as we often are, but it didn't stop her from really just pulling up a chair next to you and really walking you through something and teaching you different ways of approaching a problem and walking you step-by-step through how she thought through a problem or problem-solved herself. So I see a lot of that in my management style today. I am never too busy to really spend time with my team and teach them the things that they don't yet know. I think I see that as my requirement to me for every leader to do that. And I take great pride in doing it. For me, part of my job is about training up the next person to take my job. And I'm not afraid of that because that means that there's growth in the midst of things. That is advice that I've received as well, personally. You do really well if you can train your replacement while you're doing what you're doing. Because while that may not be adding to something that you do incrementally, it is growing things laterally. It is growing things for prosperity. And growth is where I want to go next. Obviously, professional growth is important. Personal growth, critical. So I'm curious to know from you how you continue to ensure that you are growing. Part of it, clearly, is in training those around you and empowering them to lean in when they need to. But I'm curious what else you put into the mix. I challenge myself to always remain curious. Once you lose your curiosity, you cease to continue to learn just organically, right? If you remain curious, you want to dig deeper into things and people and places and know more about them. So I'm constantly challenging myself to just always remain curious. I really kind of take myself to be a bit of a lifelong learner. I feel really uncomfortable being still and not having much going on whether it's taking up a new language, which I've been, I won't say successfully, but I have been attempting to do for the last few months. I should say last few years because it's been off and on. Are really just digging deep into a subject matter that I want to know more about. I love podcasts. I'm constantly podcasting and listening to new content that's out there. 
And then also in my realm of work as a financial professional, I have to stay up with professional education. So just really making sure I'm staying abreast of accounting pronouncements. They're not so fun, but they're important for me to know to make sure I'm mitigating the risk for the company. And also just staying abreast of what other companies are doing. So constantly reading trade publications from the fashion ones to the business ones, staying abreast of podcasts. And and when I can, also trying to pick up a book and, and read it. Although that seems to be more of a luxury these days than anything. We've had a couple of book recommendations here. I think Therese is the one who is the big reader. I have to double check my notes on that. What I can ask you for sure here, if not a book recommendation, maybe a podcast recommendation later, is where that sense of curiosity was sparked. Because I've often found curiosity and growth are hand in hand and sequential, but that always starts from somewhere. For me, it was my parents. For you, who is it? And is there a specific time in your life when you can remember curiosity just coming online? Is it something that you learned from your grandparents, maybe a manager of yours over the years? I'd be curious to know if there is a story there that sort of woke you up in that sense. Yeah, I, I, I go back to my grandparents yet again. I've mentioned them a few times because they, they had such a profound impact on my life. We sat and we would do puzzles and I wouldn't, I would be so engrossed in a puzzle that I would stay up for hours because I really just wanted to solve puzzles, which just naturally made me want to figure out how things fit together in the realm of a puzzle. And then later in life, how things fit together in life. So I would say definitely it inches back to my grandparents, but also just my environment. So growing up in rural South, you have lots of land around you and we were encouraged to just, you know, go out and explore, (laughs) even though there was not too far that you can go, but, you know, we would hike in the woods or, you know, just do whatever, you know, go down by a pond and dig into the dirt until you find what comes up. So we were just encouraged to to go out there and really just roam and and be creative and, and have fun. Digging. That is an interesting metaphor because what is curiosity if not digging with the mind? And the puzzle is also an interesting vehicle through which to explore this. I guess the idea being that growth can either be getting closer to completing a puzzle or Let's go even further, maybe increasing the number of pieces per. I remember, <laughs> if I think about puzzles, the first real one that I did that I thought was a challenge was like a 500-piece puzzle. Now, these days, uh, you know, that would be uh, child's play. But now, of course, you think much, much grander than that. And I'm going to ask one other question, and then I'll, I'll leave the metaphor, but I, I like it so much, and I'm glad that you brought it up in that way. What happens when you are metaphorically stuck on a piece. I guess what I'm asking is, when you feel like you're not growing the way that you should be, how does that curiosity kick in or maybe kick you back into gear to find that next piece and to dig again? I always say whenever you're stuck, you need to step away and regain kind of focus. Sometimes you have to step away to gain focus. Some people think you got to go in closer to get focused, but sometimes you really have to step away to get focused. So I like to step away from problems or puzzles because I I consider all business problems puzzles to me. If you step away from them for a moment, you allow your mind the space to get creative again. 
Let's say you get to the end of a certain puzzle. You look back and you say, wow, I really did it. How does, what does that mean to you? And I, I'm not talking about puzzles anymore. What I really mean is that how, how do you measure like the next step of growth or succeeding in a prior step? Is it functionally looking at another headcount and saying they can do my job or is it something else? When things start running really smoothly, for me, that's growth. I'm typically drawn to companies that are exactly where LRNC is right now, startup mode, needing to either imagine or reimagine how things should be done in the organization. And so for me, accomplishment comes from getting a company, our process, our thing to run efficiently. Once I've gotten there, I know that there's been growth. We've taken something from being very fragmented and cumbersome and and difficult to being something that is of ease. All right, let me ask two more questions. And I'm going to back away from work life for a second, but I am going to uh, first approach that step away that you noted a few minutes ago. When something's not growing, you step away. What do you do personally that helps you refresh? We've heard read on this podcast so far. We've heard go for a run. We've heard get in the hot tub. We've heard go out to the garage for a beer. What do you like to do? I love all those answers. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So do I. And I wish I had that hot tub. It sounds great. I, I do two things. So one, I get centered from meditation and it sounds probably anti-fashion, but picking up my Bible and reading it and getting centered or just sitting and meditating for 15 minutes. I practice transcendental meditation when I can. And then the other thing, probably what really, really sparks joy and creativity for me is being in the kitchen. I love cooking. I love trying new things. I love feeding other people and having them enjoy my food. And being in the kitchen for some people is quite, I don't know, anxiety ridden. But for me, it's very calming. I took a little while to get warmed up to the kitchen, but I do quite enjoy it myself as well. Maybe for those who aren't as comfortable, and this doesn't have to be in the kitchen, but generally, and now learning a little bit of that from you as well as your broader story, as we round out, I'd be curious to know some great resources that you'd recommend for a number of things. It could be for building leadership skills. That's what I tend to like to focus on, but it could also be growth-minded. It could be reset-minded. You've mentioned a couple of things so far on this show that you, that you like to do, that you do often. Of those, what are some of your favorites that we can take away and perhaps use to better ourselves? There's so many things that come to mind, um, but I have to say the thing that I, I do quite often, and it is more leadership-focused, is there are, two, there are two books, and I know you mentioned a couple of uh, book recommendations from others, but there are two books that I tend to often go back to for management and leadership kind of style for myself. One, I'm not even certain was meant to be a leadership book, but I read it for myself as a personal development book. And I thought this applies to all relationships. And it's a book by Gretchen Rubin, and it's called um, The Four Tendencies. And it really just talks about how people were motivated And I really like to just kind of pull that out when I'm starting to work with a new group of folks, just to help me in my head categorize 
the tendencies of the people I'm working with, which in turn helps me to engage with them in a much more positive and effective way. So again, not a book that's, I don't think it was written for leadership, but it so applies. And then the other one is, I think it's a take on a a book that was meant for love relationships, the five love signs or something, but there's a version of that book for the workplace. And it's all about the love languages within the workplace. So I love to pull that out too. And and I quietly in my own head, I don't really tell people I'm doing this, but I, I tend to try to figure out what people's work language is so that I can, again, engage in, with them more effectively and, and, and then cut out any friction that could ever come because you're really just playing into your strength and their strength and how those two things can complement one another. My guess is that we could do a whole nother edition or series on that topic. And it is one uh, around which I am particularly interested in, which I have tried to develop in my own life. Now, I've never read that particular book, and I've only read a few pages of Better Than Before of Gretchen Rubin. I haven't read The Four Tendencies, but I'll go check them out, and I'll leave notes in this podcast, of course, for how listeners might be able to find it themselves. But for these stories, from your upbringing to your professional journey to that virtual tap on the shoulder on LinkedIn, I'm so glad to have learned a little bit more from you here, not just about how you got here, but how you grow and how you keep growing. I appreciate that. I appreciate the time and I appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Adam. It's been fun. I've got those two books in the show notes for you. I think I'd like to get conversant in those five languages of appreciation in particular. I'll start by saying, Monica, we appreciate you joining us and sharing your deeply personal story about leadership and growth over time. With that, we conclude our initial Begins Within Leadership series here on The Good Conversation. But that is by no means the end of things. We've got much, much more coming to you this year with announcements on that happening soon. Until then, we're always announcing new things outside of this show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The House of LRC. And if you're so inclined, you can also write in info at thehouseoflrc.com. For now, we'll sign off. And in the meantime, I'm Adam Connor, reminding you to love powerfully and move purposefully.